Hello and welcome to Service Dog Secrets, the only podcast that tells you the truth about service dog stuff. I assume it's the only podcast that does that. It's the only podcast on service dogs I listen to. And I listen to it while it comes out of my mouth for it. So it just makes sense. Anyway, Vicki and Karen here today, both with Hope Service Dogs, both with Heart and Soul Dog Training. On our way home from North Carolina, we figured we'd record a couple podcasts to keep you guys entertained and to keep us entertained during the drive. And what we're going to talk about today are tasks that we like and tasks that we don't like. And why? Okay. Um, I'll go first. I like training the oops retrieve. Oops retrieve is one that I came up with because I'm always dropping things and I call it my oops retrieve because whenever I drop something I always say oops and my dogs have learned that whenever I say oops that means I drop something and they need to come on over pick it up and hand it to me and I love it I like doing it I like teaching it it works out very well I like doing a retrieve in general I think every service dogs need to have a retrieve for them on them Why is that, Karen? Why don't you like to teach the dogs to open up a fridge? I don't know how I'm going to mo- modulate what, what he takes out of that refrigerator when I'm not home. <laughs> right? Right? We get so many requests for that. And even before it was in Gainesville, you know, the college town, Gainesville, Florida, uh, it was, oh my gosh, I want my dog to open up a beer, my fridge and get me a beer. That, that'd be really awesome for these frat kids, you know? So if your dog is not crated when you leave home, you're going to have to padlock your refrigerator? Right? Uh, Jillian actually had a good one for this, and she has a dorm fridge that is just with uh, drinks for her, if need be, and then a tug on it. So if she has the tug off of it, the dog can't open it. I mean, she also has a lab and a golden, and that's different from a Malinois, because a Malinois would figure out a way to open up that refrigerator, no matter what. But you can still have the dogs get all the drinks out, pop the holes in the drinks, you know, because I, I know yeah, one of the mouths would do that. Yeah. yeah. Or one of these more uh, energetic type, you know, must do something, must do something, must work, must work, must work. But I'm, yeah. I'm okay with them fetching a bottle of water, but does it have to be in the refrigerator? <laughs> you know? Well, for a lot of people, I yeah. think that that is an extra step that is not needed. Yes, I prefer a cold beverage. Yeah. Yes, I do. Most definitely. But what I train, what Karen and I train is get my med bag and the nice thing with get my med bag is it has in it different meds so say I need eardrops I can put my eardrops in it eardrops are done the eardrops are removed from it and I don't have to teach my dog to go get eardrops versus go get this other med yeah right and so what can I do in there I can I have a smaller liquid IV in there a couple packs of that I have a small body armor in there you know you can do those shorty bottles of water in there Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's, yeah. that's what's needed. And it's easier for your dog. Because here's the thing. If you're training and you've got everything else trained and you want to work on, open up the fridge whenever the special tether there is to open it up, which how do you know if you're going to need it or not, yeah. then go for it. But until then, we want to help you out as quickly as possible and get your dog where your dog is tasking as quickly as possible. And the best way to do that is just do a bag, do a med bag. And what do I use? I go to Walmart and I'll buy different uh, cosmetic bags or travel pouches type yeah, of thing. You know, those are perfect. 
be a perfect size for it. A lot of times they'll even have a small handle, a small um, wrist yeah. handle. Yes, they will have. Dog can carry. Yep, um, I've had people donate uh, makeup bags to me, or pencil bags, not pencil boxes. Right. You know, so I have a whole bunch of different things, and we'll use all sorts of them, and then I keep empty pill bottles. Uh, and I'll pop the empty pill bottles into there so there's something in there. And if I wanted to add some weight, I could add a couple washers to it. I don't want to necessarily put coins in it, but I could put some washers. You could put some coins in it if you'd want to. Um, you could put some, you know, uh, Skittles or, or something in it if you really want to. But then don't eat them afterwards because you don't know what debris was left over. You know, it just gives it that shaky sound that sometimes happens. Uh, but yeah, that, that's my preference, you know, get that done. So your dog learns it. And then when you're training that, don't hide it and have your dog go and find it. It always goes in one spot. Then your dog knows to go in there and get it. Now, if that's going to be in your bedroom, you're going to have a med bag. Don't put it in your nightstand drawer that your dog will have to open and then get out. You know, don't make more work for your dog than what you need to have made. Instead, have it someplace that's readily accessible by your dog without your dog having to jump on your bed and get it from the bookcase above your bed. You know, just make it easier for your dog, guys. Right. What one do you really like? I like uh, a uh, whole... Who doesn't like a good DPT? DPT! Deep pressure therapy. Deep pressure therapy. That means really leaning in on you. I mean, just getting on your core and leaning in with all their weight and, and, and head and shoulders, you know. Of course, almost everybody likes that. That um, is one of our most requested is yeah. DPT. I call it lap for a command, <clears throat> but I'll, I'll reference it as DPT. And people usually know what I'm talking That's about. That's not jumping up on the lap. That's, no. and there's substance to that that the dog must perform to yep. be, you know, to be therapeutic for you. So it's not a dog that just, you say lap and he jumps up in your lap and he shakes and like, can I have my treat now? Can I have my treat? I did a, did a trick. Where's my treat? Yeah. No, 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 no. This is, yeah. Arrow would put his wrists <clears throat> in the, the bottom of his feet, right? Yeah. Over my far lap. And then his elbows would go between my legs. And then his ribs and the rest of him would come down the other side. And then what he would do to give me more is he would, you know, basically curl his feet under. So he's not standing on his feet. He is resting his whole body weight on my lap. And that was fantastic. And then whenever I talked to Dr. Trevino about the pots, and he said, and the dysautonomia, and he said to wear uh, tight stuff. Compression head, um, spanks basically yeah. from my ribs to my knees. And I said, There is no way that's happening. Not in Florida. Not in Florida. Yeah, not with me who passes out in the heat Mm-mm. and who has IBS. That's not, none of that's going to be happening. Yeah. So instead, uh, what I did is he said that what happens after you eat is the blood accumulates, you know, everything accumulates in your stomach area, and then there's not enough blood for the rest of you. So by having the compression on, it prevents the blood from pooling. So I took that to mean, Vicki, you know what you need to do is train your dog to not only do TPT across your lap, but to lean into your stomach and into your center, into your core. And it's worked out very well. Yeah. I like doing that. That's, that's nice. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that is, I've had people tell me it hurts whenever their dog does it. Well, then yeah. you're not doing it right. And yeah. we need to tweak that. Yeah. Um, we've had some dogs who really don't like to do it. So they'll 
One, two, three, DPT, you're done. Uh, you know? No, it's... The dog is supposed to stay there until you release them. Yes. Just like, you know, just like a downstay, it's a, it's a DPT. It's a stay until you release them. So, yes. Um, other things I like is a, a good walk, cover, and center to get my dog out of the traffic pattern of crowds and, and to block cover center for space between me and something else or yeah. someone else. Yeah. But that's near me, not away from me. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know what I heard? I heard, I don't know how true this is. I don't think anyone's really doing this, but I heard it. So someone must be doing it somewhere is that they're training the dog to, you hold onto the leash and the dog backs up away from you. So he's facing you and then his butt's out to other people and he's supposed to go and like rub up on other people to get them to move away to create more space. That is crazy. I'm telling you, if some strange weird That's... dog came up to me and started rubbing his butt all over me, I'd, I'd kick him. Yeah. I... Yeah, Vicky said she'd kick dogs. Yeah, don't let your dog come and wipe his rear end on me. That's yeah, disgusting. I can't, Im- I can't imagine how that's keeping your dog or you safe. It's creating adversity and, and conflict. Yes. And that's the last thing you should be doing with your service dog. Oh, exactly. Yeah, that was just, oh, that was so gross. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah, but no, you can create the space. Now, how much space? You guys, you can't say, oh, I need six feet of space bubble around me at all times, but I'm going to go to Disney. And it's if, not going to happen. If, if you're on the verge of a panic attack or uh, an anxiety episode because you don't have enough space, there's another test your dog can know is how to lead you out. Yes. Uh, so, uh, you can teach your dog every time you come into, this is the exit, this is the exit, every time if your dog, if you make them aware of where the exit is, and when, if you're in a tight situation and you say, find the exit, your dog will remember where you said that exit was when you came into the store. It's a habit thing that you well, can set, and your dog will have that awareness. People are creatures of habit, and dogs are creatures of habit. Yeah. And dogs are not only creatures of habit, but store designers are creatures of habit, because they know that we are. So a lot of times, what is there, two or three different types of Walmarts, two or yeah. three different types of Targets? So if you come in on the right, you know how the whole store is going to be laid out, and your right. dog knows when you're back here how to get going. Yeah, if you come in the same door, you, you named it, um, you practice having your dog take you out that door when you say that command um, or cut, take you to a bench right outside that door or inside that door or whatever and you practice that, your dog will remember it so when you give that command, he'll take you there. But you cannot expect your dog to find an exit you've never taught your dog. In a place that in he's, a never, place been he's to. never been to. Yeah. I mean, that is I don't understand how that's an expectation. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, I don't. Yeah, I totally agree with you. So you know, if it's a place that you work at or that you frequent often, uh, you know, you can teach um, that. But you know, like I said, it's you cannot cannot expect you go to Marshalls once a year, your dog to know the exit of Marshalls. And then, have you noticed no stores have benches anymore because of COVID? So if you had the task, uh, and your dog's only task was find me a bench, now your dog can't work as a service dog because that was the only task you had trained them. That does not mean now the task is that you lay down in the middle of the 
aisle. Right? And block everybody uh-huh. and their cousins from shopping down the cereal aisle because you're laid, you're splailed out in the middle of the cereal aisle now. Right. Well, they didn't have a bench, Karen. No, that, so what did we do whenever we had uh, Atlas and Fluffy and Gypsy at Disney and at Universal? And we wanted to try doing some of this training on what what is he going to do if I needed him in a medical emergency? What do you do is you find an out-of-the-way area to practice. So we did. We found a couple out-of-the-way areas, and we practiced with them. We were not in anybody's way until the parade came, in which case we knew we had to move anyway because the sound of the music came on. Yes. But, you know, it's nice to be able to find those areas to train in. We didn't lie down in the middle of everything. Off to the side. There's plenty of room for everybody to push carts past us and go past us back and forth their normal day. We made sure they're aware that we were practicing, that we were okay. Um, so, and don't be rude. If somebody comes up to you, they see you lying down off the side in the, the store. They're concerned about you. They're just asking to see if you're okay. Okay, I've got one. I've got one. This is one I hate. Is go find the pedo for help. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay, I will not train go find the pedo for help. What do you mean? Okay, you know what a pedophile is, right? Yeah. Pedo. Like, it's yeah. just better than saying a, a molester. Yeah. But, you know, okay, so my dog's job is to go find a random person for help and grab onto his sleeve or bark at him or stare at him or bring him my, his leash to come and find me. Okay, first of all, the person doesn't know that that's supposed to be his job and what the dog's supposed to do. So if a dog comes up to somebody and grabs a hold of their sleeve with his mouth, your dog now bit somebody. Yeah. Okay, and now your dog is a vicious dog. He should be put down. And if your dog didn't bite, uh, grab onto somebody, even just went up to butt somebody and looked real cute, somebody has now stolen your $50,000 service dog. Oh, look, this dog's so sweet. And look, he doesn't have an owner at all. He doesn't have an owner, and now he's gone. Or she's gone. Yep. Or, oh, what, what, he's, he's leading me somewhere. Let's follow him because that's what normal sane people do whenever a cute dog comes up to them. Yeah. Or not so cute dog. So they follow back. Oh, look, here's somebody on the floor having medical issues with a purse right there and with a wallet right there. Take the wallet, take, take the, the purse, take the car the keys, take the, the car, car, you know, yeah. then they can find your home. They can rob you while you're having medical issues or... How about this one? Oh my, look, this is my girlfriend. She's having issues. See the dog new to come up to me. I'm going to pick up the girl and take her out to the car so we can go home because I know what to do with her medical issues and now you've been kidnapped, raged, tortured, and killed. Yeah. Okay. If you're going to do go get help, it has to be go get help from Karen. Go get help from Rich. It has to be go get help from that one person, but I'm still not going to send my dog in a store out to go get help. For us, it is, you know, go get Rich and it would be go get Rich at home. Now, what if the door's shut? What if the door to the dog room is shut and that's where the door to the outside is and the dog can't get out there and Rich is outside? What if Rich is outside on the other side of the fence? What if Rich decided to run into town? Do I want my dog to know to go get Rich to go run around and and chase after him down the road? No. Guys, this is where technology comes in and you get an Apple Watch. Apple Watch has fall alerts. It will go through your emergency contacts that you assign to it and it will call them up and it will let them know your exact location along with the EMT. So get fall alert on your watch. Whenever I'm having an episode, I usually take it off because I know it's happening and there's nothing that can be done for it. And it's usually whenever I'm at home. Okay. Another task I don't like is go search my house for intruders or 
for the dog to let me know when the child wakes up with autism or something like that. And then, again, technology. You can get blink cameras and have them turn on if, any, if there's any movement in your house and you should have certainty. You can check your blink cameras before you walk in the house to make sure there hasn't been any um, uh, movement before you even come in. And you can have a baby monitor for your six-year-old child that tends to get up and open doors and leave the house. Yeah. You know? So... Uh, you don't need a service dog for those things. <laughs> and it's ridiculous to, uh, it's called elopement and uh, scan the house for danger or something like that. Those are, they call, that's what people call those tasks. And they're not tasks to mitigate a disability. They're tasks to play into the fear. Yeah. So remember, your service dog is supposed to mitigate a disability, not uh, add add layers to it yeah. to make it worse well especially with the search by house well if you left your dog there at the house you would probably scare away the intruder and the bad guy so having that being a task really is the opposite of what you want because then the dog should be at home to protect against the bad guys yeah okay it's not a service dog you know yeah. no it's it's yeah. yeah that always confused me and I always tell people, if you, if you can convince me that I should train it, like, I'm happy to. I know how to train them. Yeah. I just don't believe that they're actually helping and or they're going to be harmful to the dog. I've had people whose kid will pick their um, hair out, pick their eyebrows out, and they want to get a dog so the dog gets picked instead of the kid gets picked. Yeah. How is that fair to the dog? <laughs> exactly. And as a parent, you know, I would do anything to help my child. But I can't do that whenever it's, it's harming another animal. But then you could always say get one of those that you have to hand pluck one of those dogs that you have to hand pluck their coat out. Like uh, you can just do that. Yeah, but, but it's really still no not. Dog that, it's animal abuse. Yeah, it's animal abuse. Get a stuffed animal and get a dozen of them. So, or a chia pet. Or a chia pet or something, you know. There are ways of doing that without actually harming a live being. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, those, those are tasks that we don't like. But... The task that's really excellent is an interrupt. Mm-hmm. And, but there must be a response. You must pay attention to that interrupt of picking or whatever. Interrupt, yeah. and you must have a redirection. Oh, when my dog interrupts this, I stop that and I go do this to so I don't continue doing that behavior. Yeah. So. I've worked with people who, you know, Tourette's or anxiety where they don't want the dog to call attention to it because it makes them more self-conscious and it happens again and it happens more frequently or people who have severe anxiety and they don't want people coming up to them in public and they have early signs that that anxiety is building that they would like a, a service dog to interrupt but other people don't recognize it um and um they as an individual don't realize they're doing it until it's gone overboard so. Yeah, or or you get the ones where if yeah. you don't want people coming up to you, then don't get a service dog. Yeah, it's true. Because you're going to get a lot more attention by having yeah, a service a lot dog. More attention by having a service dog. You know, so you need to understand that and what what the consequence of having a service dog will be. A lot more attention, take a lot longer to do things. Do you want that? Can your disability handle that? One thing that we've been getting a lot lately. As people who want migraine alert dogs, have we trained migraine alert dogs? Yes, we have. Yes, we have. 
It depends on what's causing the migraine. And is it truly a migraine? Or is it that you have headaches or bad headaches or severe headaches that you call a migraine? Because that's not a migraine. The same thing goes with seizures. Yeah. You train it differently if you're having true seizures versus pseudo-seizures or seizure-like activity due to anxiety or a panic attack. So, so yeah. you can call it whatever you want to, but you have to be honest, honest with us because we train them totally different. As Karen just said, if you're having a seizure because of anxiety, that's going to be different than if it's a seizure caused by a malfunctioning of your of something going on in your brain. Yeah, chemical change happening in your body signaled ahead of the actual seizure. We do samples for that, and if you're not, if that is not what you're having, we're not going to be able to train it reliably. Yeah. So you're yeah. not going to be able to train it reliably, and. How often does it happen? Yeah. I've talked to people where they have one seizure every maybe five or six years. You can't train for that. That's not a service dog task. No. Even a migraine, if you only have one migraine a month or or even one a week, it's going to be difficult to train. We're talking daily or, um, uh, you know, several times a week type migraines that we can train. But if it's not a frequent... um, it's going to be difficult to maintain that training in that dog. Yes. Yeah, because you need, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Yep. Extinction happens with everything. With yeah. all tasks. Yeah. If you don't use it, you will lose it. And some people who want alerts, but there's no responses. So, for example, with me for the dysautonomia, yes, I like to have an alert. Why? So I can make sure I'm in a safe position. So I'm sitting down so I can lay down and I have that time to lay down before I end up on the ground anyway. Yeah. What is your response? When you're thinking about an alert or an interrupt, there has to be a response. And then once you do your response, how are you going to recover? And what do you want your dog to do when you're in recovery? You know, so, um, so it's not just training the alert. It's training a response could be sending the dog to get medication. And then you take that medication and you lay down. And another response could be having the dog do DVT while the medication kicks in. I mean, there's several tasks involved depending on your condition and what you need to have done. Uh, Possibly do grounding. Grounding. You stay with me. uh, Just lie down beside me. Get underneath my legs and raise up my legs. legs. There's a bunch that you can do, but this is things that we can't decide on you need to you to need- work with us on it yes uh, I like the mobility stuff I like the um, brace and counterbalance and forward momentum pool but guess what those aren't guide dog that's not guide dog training those are specific tasks having to do with mobility but it's not we're not training a guide dog yeah so. we are not training yeah guide dogs are different in the oh I have something going on i feel wonky i need guidance to get out was it guidance that you need or is it forward momentum pool that you need right and is it a little combination of both you know we have done some light light guide work so much so that i don't even like to call it guide work because Because. but yes if i had to shut my eyes and let let candy or Django or gypsy guide me out of places yes i have and yes they don't run me into things because it's stuff that we've worked on whenever i'm not feeling wonky yeah a lot of times, Vicky will 
pair her dog up with somebody else, like with me, and say, follow Karen, follow Karen, you know, and then Candy will do that. And it's part of my responsibility to keep Candy in a safe area where she's not going to run Vicky into things. Um, <laughs> Don't so, go on escalators during that time, Karen. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Don't go underneath low, low overhangs. Yeah. Yeah, we had to do that whenever we were yeah. at the North Carolina airport, airport in Raleigh. Whenever we flew up there, yeah. we were so far, and I felt so bad, and we didn't have a chair waiting, and this is before I would fly with my chair. But it's okay. That is a task you can train yeah. your dog to yeah. do, to follow a specific person, especially a loved one or a significant other that they are very familiar with and they trust. Why? Because what are the options? The option is Karen comes and stands and walks beside me. Are you okay? Are you okay? That's not... I want to get out of there as soon as possible. Yeah, because... And we've had to do it at Universal a few times. Yes, we have. Yeah. You know, and it's something that... It works. It works. You know, but it's not... Follow that rando. Yeah, exactly. Follow the pedo who's going to kidnap me. Uh, No, no, no. Yeah, we we want it to be... But we don't call that guide work. Or a guide dog would do that independent of anybody. But guide dogs do learn that initially with another person when they're in their initial training phase. There's somebody wearing a blindfold and somebody else walking that can see. And the dog is being guided by the seeing person um, and corrected. But um, there's a lot more aspects to guide dog work. And that's why we say we do not train guide dogs. It's a very specific and intensive training and um, we're not going to basically now I've watched Pick of the Litter I've watched like two episodes of it and I've seen the movie whenever the movie came out I could totes do that but no no they they we have southeastern guide dogs near us they take care of that they take care of that so if you're absolutely blind and that's the type of dog you need you need to apply to their program but we definitely can do some forward momentum pull some lead me out with love person or whatever, um, some grace and balance. Um, uh, so know. with those two, they're not a replacement for a crutch, a wheelchair, oh, a cane, no. a walker. Yeah. If you're doing any sort of mobility, you do not put your full weight on oh, your dog. dog. You selfish, selfish step. person if you do that. No, they're not a, they're not, they're not a walker. They're not a crutch. They're not. No, you so. need to you need to watch your, the weight that you put on the dog at all times, and you need to have the dog make sure that the dog is suitable. Yeah. What we recommend doing is doing the uh, uh, elbows, doing the hip X-rays, getting yes. clearance from your vets yeah. that yeah. your dog is cleared for mobility. I will not clear your dog for mobility. I am not a veterinarian. Yeah. Your veterinarian must clear your dog for mobility. Yes, growth rates must be closed must condition your dog. If you expect your dog to pull a wheelchair when your wheelchair doesn't have power or or you can't manipulate a wheelchair because of weakness or whatever, you better have the proper type of harness, the proper type of gear, and have conditioned your dog already for that task. Um, yeah. When do we start training? Well, we start, for example, brace. We start with a nice stand and a nice block. That's how we start brace. We start that as puppies three, four months old, but we, but we do not put weight on, on them. They, they just learn the, they learn the, the position, they learn how to not uh, lay down when they feel pressure yeah. in certain areas of yeah. your body. 
So yeah, that's the tether to a kid. I don't, I don't uh, train tether yeah. to a kid. Why is well, the kid's gonna pull at the dog when the dog doesn't move because the dog's been taught if the kid goes to pull to lie down and wait, the kid might get frustrated and angry and come over and hit the dog and kick the dog or fall on top of the dog or beat the dog. Yeah. You know, and again, while parents, their kid is their number one priority, for me, the dog is my number one priority. Yeah. And it's not safe for them to do that. Yeah. Why are you tethering a child to a dog if, why isn't that child being tethered to you? And exactly. And if you're going to do that, you need to have the proper equipment for tethering. There's equipment specifically for tethering children for the child, and there's also specific equipment that a dog harness for tethering or pulling that a dog should be wearing. We recently saw a video where a father was had a dog on a prong and the child was attached to a dog around a leash to the child's waist and the other end of the leash to a flat collar on the dog. And the child would go one direction and pull and that dog would be pulled that way and the and the father would yank on the prong to pull the dog back to him. I mean that said so many confusing communications to the dog and it's so dangerous for that dog. Yes. And that child. I don't remember that at all, Karen. Oh, well. Maybe you and Barry saw it. You need to show that to me. Yes. That video was That sounds horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Yep. You know, and and the dog, there's nothing good about any of that. You're not instructing the dog. You're not helping the child. And the child, at one point, started banging on the dog's back, you know, because the dog would not go with the child, you know. Yeah, because frustration. Frustration, yeah. Yeah, anytime the kid has violent outbursts or the person has violent outbursts, you have to ask yourself, is this really someplace I'd want to put a, a dog? Any dog has teeth. Well, Goldens are usually very forgiving, and you could do anything to a Golden. You don't want to, you know, dogs like they still have teeth. Cats, scratches, and horses kick. You got it exactly. All said by Bart Malone. <laughs> right? It's a Bartism. Yeah. 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 And medical alert. I know Karen loves to do the scent stuff. So, you know, we do the medical alert stuff. We'll do the uh, food alert, the gluten alert. If you have an alert, if if there's something that you need, is it because you don't want it? Is it because you don't like it? Or is it because you have a true allergy or intolerance that would make you sick for days or weeks on end? Because there's a big difference there. I'm not going to put my time in teaching your dog to alert to whatever because you happen to not like it in your food. you don't food. like onions or mushrooms in your food. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't have any allergic or intolerance type reactions. Exactly. But if it does, if, if something happens and it is, you know, then that's not a problem. But then you need to figure out what you want. Another thing that annoys me is the here are the hundred plus tasks that my dog must do for me. No, you get three whenever we work together from here on out. I mean, I'm happy to do more, but you can't drop your dog off for the boarding train and expect your dog to learn 100 plus tasks while we have them. It's not going to happen. Giving us the list of everything is fine, but tell me your top three. Mark it on here in your handwriting so I have it. 
and I know that these are the top three tasks the top that you want us to work on with your dog. I mean, we can get really far, and we've gotten really far when people have given us, you know, two-page lists, but we want to do the best for everybody, and teaching the dog halfway how to do, you know, 20 different tasks might not be the best. And a lot of the tasks can build on each other, and if we start them out young, we can lay the foundation to make things awesome the whole way around. Yeah, there's a lot of foundation tasks that you can take... We can start your dog on three major foundation tasks, and then you can take it to more specific things as you learn how to um, expand those tasks. Yeah, and build on. Yeah, you have the whole life. When does training end? Never. Never. Training never ends, guys. You're going to always be training your dog, and you want to always be training your dog, and there's no shame in that. You can train your dog so much more because you have the whole life together. But we have your dog for a set amount of time, and we want to give you the most bang for your buck while we have your dog with us. So we need to know specifically what is going to help you out the most. Because if we spend our time doing stuff, and then you say, yeah, I don't really need that as much. These are what I need. That would be terrible. That would just be awful. We don't want that to happen. We want to make sure that we have, you know, the best tasks that are going to help you out the mostest. Well, let's see. We have mobility stuff. Uh, we have the uh, medical alert, response, and recovery. Uh, we don't like the bark alert. We like silent alerts. I prefer a nose touch or a block if I'm moving. Uh, I don't like a paw as an alert. I don't like a bark as an alert. I don't like a jump as an alert. I want something quiet and subtle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then some are, are easy. You know, grounding is very easy for most dogs if they're, you know, good temperament for service dogs and they're not crazy hyper ping-pongs. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I like doing this. They're fun. Age-wise, if we work with children, and we have before, it's always triad of training. It is oh, between yes. us and the parent and the child, and I train the parent. I don't train the child. Why? Because I don't know your child. You're not going to drop off your child with me and the dog and expect everyone to get trained up. That is not going to happen. Instead, I work with the parent. If the kids hit around 14 or so, I can work with the child, with the parent there at all times. But I'm expecting the parent to tell the child what it is that the child needs. Because a child is not ready to have that type of responsibility. Even at 14, we've had people who were so gung-ho about it. And they just kind of fell off the radar and, and flaked out because, yeah. you know, 14-year-old's life is good in the way. Yeah. Uh, the most successful children, triads, the parents have been all in and guiding and encouraging the child handler to continue um, even when things got frustrating. So um, that I've noticed of yeah. the most successful parents. Yeah. The child is not going to be a six-year-old bringing a service dog to school by himself or herself without somebody else there. And we were told, somebody said, there'll be a helper for the dog. No, helpers are hired through the IEP programs for the child, not for the dog. So that, I'm sure, is a misunderstanding. 
Yeah, but yeah. The school you, system does not pay for somebody to come and babysit your your child's service dog while your child's in school. No, but they'll pay for the aid to help your child, yes. which is fine. But giving them a dog is an additional level of liability, oh, additional layer of liability. Yes. And dogs, we have worked with dogs going to school, but it's always been college. I firmly believe yeah. that middle school, high school, elementary school is no place for a service dog or a service dog in training. Yeah. That they need to focus on schooling and learning how to cope with their disability before they get the dog to do it. And so what we recommend too is once you get that diagnosis, we want you to to be able to cope with the disability without the dog. So we want you to have that disability for at least a year yes. before you get a service dog. Now that doesn't mean you have to wait a year to get on a list. No. But just understand this isn't going to be a, oh my gosh, my kid was just diagnosed with this terrible thing. Let me call up and order a service dog to be delivered tomorrow. And, and these parents usually don't even know, have any idea of what what type of service dog, what type of tasks, because they just, the child just got diagnosed with whatever the disability is. Yeah. And so they haven't, haven't experienced about what struggles the child has or is going to have. Because each disability has a range from mild to severe to, you know, and each individual is different on what their needs are, what they can cope with and what they'll need assistance coping with. It's not purely defined by the disability itself. And just because they have a disability does not mean that a service dog is right for them. Yeah. That child may not even want a service dog. <laughs> right? Yeah. So. So but, you uh, need to yeah. look at those also whenever you're, you're talking tasks. And what I tell people is I have a master list of tasks that we've trained that we like. And go ahead, go through there, highlight what you think would help you. Anything from, oh my God, this would change my life, to, I don't need this, but it'd be cool. That's the beer from a fridge, right? Yeah. I don't need it, need it, but it would be helpful. And then arrange them in order from, oh my goodness, this would change my life, life yeah. to, this would be a cool thing, but I don't really necessarily need it. Right. You know, and, and order them that way. And then as we look at the tasks, maybe every task on there is a retrieve-based task. Well, that's going to make things a lot easier. Yeah. But if you have, oh, <laughs> and here's another plus, guys. Whenever you talk to us or any trainer about service dogs, it is not a game of who's more disabled. Yeah. You know, if you have 20 disabilities and you want your dog to do 50 different tasks for you, doesn't mean you win the grand prize of being the most disabled and you get a free golden wheelchair and golden retriever. That's not how things work. <laughs> so if you have three or four or five different disabilities, Having your dog do five different tasks for each disability likely isn't going to happen. So what you have to decide is, while I have five different disabilities, what is the help that I need the most from a service dog? And how can I go about getting this? And this is where talking to somebody who can break down, organize, plan, and structure things comes in handy, which would be me. I'm very good at this looking at the tasks, looking at how to break it down to the basic foundations so we can build on those. And again, maybe there's 20 different things you need your dog to retrieve. Well, that's great. That's not a problem. You know, we can definitely do that. But, you know, if you want your dog to do four or five different disabilities, like I, I have IBS, PCOS, uh, I have dysautonomia and, and um, Ehlers-Danlos, yeah. And uh, MCAS, and I don't have a dog who 
does five different things for each of them. Uh, Candy would primarily do the mobility stuff, you know, the guiding out, the brace counterbalance forward momentum pull. That was her forte. She was very good at that. She would also do DPT on me. Django would do alerts, response, and recovery. And he was learning the mobility because he turns to the end of this month in like a week or two. Yeah. He turns two years old. So he's about ready to right? really be full on the mobility stuff. Yeah, yeah. but instead he's transferring to yeah. Bitey Fun. Yeah. Either personal protection or IPO. So, so you know, you have that. but And he would pick up and deliver, so he'd do the retrieves very well. He was a really nice all-purpose. And so for me to say, you know, he prefers to do this, it's, it's heartbreaking for me. Yeah. But it's best for him. And again, it's what he was born for, was to bite the bad guy. Yeah. But I'm not saying he can do both. He does one or the other. And that's always what we've said, is if he would prefer one, then that's what he shall do. And then Gyps is really good at the retrieves, at picking up and delivering to me. She's good at doing brace, counterbalance, forward momentum pull, even though she's a shorty. You know, it works. It works out well for her. What she doesn't do is, she doesn't, have you noticed, she doesn't do DPT at all. No, she doesn't. She, she does um, grounding. She does grounding like a pro. Yeah. And she does under, under is her absolute favorite. She'll under your legs for a little bit, but it's not her favorite. It's not. No, she'd yeah. rather be underneath my chair. Chair, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just to be tucked out of the way. Yeah. When I sit and talk with clients, she's always underneath my chair, you know, and, and that's her. And so I could say, well, no, I want her to do DPT, but I had two other dogs who would do it. Yeah. So I didn't need her to do it. And with her having the shorter legs, yeah. you know, because she is a female golden and I am a tall person, yeah. you know, it's might not be as comfortable for her to get into that stretch position. So I never asked her to do it. Right. Well, I, I kind of played around. And I could say, well, let's try to do that. And if it was on my list of things to do, but I'm telling you that pick up and retrieve is a lot nicer. And that brace counterbalance forward momentum pull when we're out in public is a godsend. She's a little tank. She is. <laughs> she can blow to the ground and can pull like, like a, like a bully. Right? <laughs> She'd do really good at weight yeah. pull. So, you know, and it's, I got the vet's okay to use her. And I, I talked to other trainer friends that I, I respect and look up to because I wasn't sure about using her for mobility. And whenever we talked about what I needed, you know, she said, you can. That's not a problem. Definitely train her up for that, which to me was a big relief because, you know, sometimes you're too close to the situation and you need that outside perspective and outside point of view. And that was fantastic news for me to hear. Yeah. Because yay, woohoo. Uh, and then we have new Russian boy coming. So he should be born this month, and then he'll come home in April when everything else is happening. Um, So when he comes home at eight weeks old, he's going to start right away with uh, what we do with all the dogs whenever they're in. So he'll be about two months ahead of whoever we keep from the litters. Uh, Well, one or two months ahead of them. He will start with charging the clicker. Yep, charging the clicker, doing box work, working on paying attention to me is the be-all and end-all in life. And then he's cleared genetically based on his parentage. So hopefully he'll have excellent hips uh, and excellent rest of his health testing. And we can use him as a stub for the future. You know, just like Fluffy, we'll have Russian boy here. So we need a good Russian name for him. 
but you know, hopefully he'll like all of it. So we can break it down and I can say, well, I want him to do retrieve. So we can work on take and hold and I want him to do medical response. So I'm going to work on scent work and I want him to do uh, counterbalance and brace and forward momentum pull. So I'm going to work on tactiles and I'm going to work on teaching him how to position himself. And this is what we do. We break it down so we have, okay, this is what all we need to do. And this is how we're going to go about doing it. And that's the way you train them. But for a lot of people, it's difficult to figure that out or what tasks can work. And which ones are kind of silly and you don't really technically need. But, uh, but there's all sorts. There's all sorts of fun tasks that you can train up. And then there's fun tricks and stuff, too, that you can train up. Professional. Yep, professionals rock. And roll. Any other tasks that you like or you don't like, Karen? Uh, tasks. I mean, like, uh, I think lots of skills. <laughs> yeah. Right now. Oh, we can talk about that next. Yeah. But uh, tasks, any other tasks? I think we covered the majority I of them. I think we covered most of them, yeah. You know, for what we do. Oh, hearing, we've done hearing alert ones. As Karen has said, we've done the interruptions before with what, you know, what we want the dogs to do whenever we're picking this or touching that or or doing something that we might not, ought not be doing. Uh, you know, so we want, we want that dog to have the best start. We want the dog to be the best that they can be for us. <coughs> it's not covid and for, for them, for themselves, we want them to enjoy it. And that's why Rue was washed, is he, he had the training for it. Rue, with the leash on, is the best trained dog ever. Rue's our border collie. He does not like working for me. And that's fine. You know, maybe if I knew some of the Napopo stuff then, but he's also six years old now. You know, he's Rich and Luke's dog and kind of Sam's dog. And, you know, that that's fine. That works. You know, we'll see how he does, but but he doesn't care to do for me and it's probably because every dog I work with does for me and he feels he wants to be special he wants to have that little bit you know so so anyway we're gonna wrap this one up this is about tasks about good tasks bad and ugly tasks uh with me and with Karen here on our drive we did make it back to Florida if you heard Siri talking she said welcome to Florida about a half hour ago so yay we're back in Florida back in the sunshine state only 53 degrees florida what the heck yeah what the heck at least it's not 38 degrees this has been the the temperature since we woke up this morning all the whole drive that's crazy right it is but anyway we will catch you guys on the flip side